0: Welcome to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon podcast. We believe that there is no message more life-changing and more relevant than the gospel. It is our earnest prayer that you will be enriched as a disciple and that you will hear the good news today. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word from Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments he has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries he has avenged on her the blood of his servants and again they shouted hallelujah and the smoke from her goes up forever and ever the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne and they cried amen hallelujah Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your victory. We are thankful... For your truth. Father, today I pray that you will please teach us, strengthen us, give us resolve so that we can continue to stand today without compromise as citizens of heaven and as proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus. Speak, Father, for your children are listening. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for those of you who picked up on the setting in that reading, you may have noticed that we were at the banquet of the Lamb celebrating God's victory over the enemies of God's people marveling at the way that God transformed us and has given us new hearts, new righteousness, new life. And all of that is worthy of celebration. Amen? But you need to know it took us a while to get there. Today, in order to get there, I just, I want to tell you we have to talk about some things that are not really easy to talk about. And I need to remind you of a couple of things that we've learned as we've studied Revelation over the last couple of months. All right, first, I want to remind you that the book of Revelation teaches us you are in a war and you can't be neutral. Okay, none of us gets to be Switzerland. We are all either a part of God's kingdom or we're part of the dragon's kingdom. Week after week, we have seen set before us the choice between the city of God and the city of rebellious humanity. Sometimes shown as Babylon, sometimes shown as Egypt, sometimes shown as Rome, and sometimes easy enough to see right here and now. You either belong to the human city or the city of God. The second thing I want to remind you of is this, that the language used in this text is graphic. And it's meant to be graphic. It's meant to grab you. It's meant to make you feel something down in your guts. You're meant to cringe when you read words like this. Join me in Revelation 17. In Revelation 17, it opens and we meet a new character that we haven't met yet in the story. Okay, if you remember, we've met all kinds of characters. We met Jesus. We've met lots of angels. We met a dragon. We've met several beasts. We've met a lady, and she gave birth to a baby. We met all of them. But now today we're going to meet a new character, and that character is a prostitute. Don't look. I know. don't be mad it's not my word it's the bible's word okay i'm I'm going with it and you're lucky i didn't use the king james yeah i'm just telling you y'all are lucky We we meet this seductress, this prostitute. And according to verse 3 of chapter 17, I'm going to read you the first six verses. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I'll show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her the kings of earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads. And ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, was glittering with gold, precious precious stones, pearls. She had a, a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. And the name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus." Like I said, you're supposed to cringe at that kind of description because there's a lot there that is really just, on just a a guttural level, it's jarring. Okay, according to verse 3, the prostitute is riding the beast. Now bear in mind, this is the same beast that we saw in chapter 13. Okay, that seeks to move our affection and our attention off of Jesus and onto itself. Okay, you may remember this story from the last few weeks. There was a dragon, and the dragon wanted to make war against the people of God. So it tried to do so, but it was utterly defeated at Christmas. Okay, that's chapter 12. And then it decides to conjure up two beasts to do its dirty work for it. So we have this beast come out of the land and a beast comes out of the sea. The first beast that comes out of the land is the one that's described right here. It's described in these same words and it represents the state, the civil government, in this case, uh, in their case Rome, that has moved out from under God's authority and sovereignty and then the second beast represents religious authority that is trying to get you to worship the first beast. That, that y- you got to understand there, is, there are powers at work that are trying to work against the kingdom of God by getting people to trust the kingdoms of humanity. To trust the state. All right, so the woman riding the beast... I need you to understand this she looks fine all right not not fine like it's okay I mean fine all right and there's a difference between those two words the way it's describing her you're supposed to think this lady is good looking all right that, that she's she is dressed to the 9s she she's got scarlet she's got she's got rich people clothes on All right, and she is covered in gold and jewels and diamonds. She's neck just froze from all the ice right here. All right, and did I use that right, teens? Did I get that right? My son's embarrassed, don't worry, it's gonna get worse. Uh, She's, you ready? Here we go, she's got the drip. All right, is that what, did I get it right? I used it right, yes, they're all happy, my son. Red face, Um, I'm kind of proud of myself right now. This is exactly what I wanted. She looks great and yeah here's the deal we can read and we know that what she is serving from her cup is abominable. We know that what she's doing is horrendous but she looks so good that people can't look away. I mean we know what's written on her forehead it says so and that's weird. This book has a lot of things written on a lot of people's foreheads. But you remember when we talked about this. If it's on their forehead, it has to do with ideology. If it's written on their hands, it has to do with action. Okay, so what is her ideology? What's written on her forehead? What are we seeing? We see that she's Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, the abomination of the earth. And even though we know that... We know what she really is. We know how awful she is for us. We just can't take our eyes off of her. She is lewd. She is sensual. She is overtly sexual. But people are drawn toward her and they can't peel their attention off of her sensuality. She is attractive, not ugly. And she knows how to make people want her. Okay, she's the kind of attractive that makes other attractive people angry. I'll be honest with you, she's so attractive, John can't even take his eyes off of her. Read verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 5. Hold on, I'm all ahead of myself. Verse 6, the second part of verse 6. When I saw her, I marveled. I was greatly astonished. John sees her and he can't take his eyes off her he knows he's just been told what she is and he still sees her and is like she is fine <laughs> think about that for a minute this is important John is warning the church okay Jake follow me here John is warning the church Now he wasn't drifting off <clears throat> I, want, I want people to know I want to exonerate him I just got excited and saw him and so I called his name out. If I wanted to call someone who's drifting off I would have gone two people over, now I'm just playing. Um, <clears throat> Landon wasn't drifting off either. Alright so, so but you get this John calls the church to notice how attractive she is and, how, and to tell them don't get lost looking at her. John's not telling that to the world. The woman is so attractive, John has to tell the followers of God not to let their eyes deceive them. That's how attractive she is. Folks, if John himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved, can get caught up in it, can get sucked up into this, you think we can't? You see, it turns out this lady's better at seduction than we realize. And it is still happening right now. Right here. Among us. The beast has great PR. She is prettier than you think she will be. The sinful rebellion of humanity is often attractive. The text says that the kings of the earth are drawn to the city of humanity. Because the prostitute promises all the things we want. The prostitute promises power, opulence, comfort, wealth, pleasure. What we often call the goals of self-actualization, i.e. the good life. And, 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 and here's the sales pitch. Life is hard. Life is difficult. You know what would make it better? Money. Money makes it better. Power. Power makes it better. Sex makes it better. You, I, I can provide you with those things. I want to give you the things that make you happy. I don't want to give you rules. I don't want to give you serving other people. Service days are the worst. I want to give you fun days. I don't want to give you chastity. I want to give you indulgence. There's no such thing as too much of a good time. And the goal is clear, to blind the people of God with wealth and luxury and sex and the pursuit of power and popularity so that in the end they don't even notice that they're no longer paying attention to God. That our attention, our worship has been placed somewhere else. So enticing. And brothers and sisters, if you, I'm sorry, but if you can't look at our nation and our leaders on both sides of the aisle in Washington and see that we are clearly caught up in this, then I can't help you. So enticing for a moment, even John's head is turned, but the angel steps in in verse 7 and says, hey, 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 why are you checking her out? Look at what it says in verse 7, the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I'll explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides with the seven heads and the ten horns and and he goes on and describes some really crazy stuff. He he says, you you know who she is in verse 9, this calls for a mind with wisdom, the seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Now in the first century that was a clear identification with Rome because Rome as a city sits situated across seven hills. So he said, look I'll tell you who she is. She's Rome. Now that's interesting because he already in verses 1 and 2 said she's beside many waters. Rome's not beside any water. But you know what is? Babylon. Babylon's the city that's seated by many waters. So, so who is she? She's Babylon. She's Rome. She's Egypt. She's whatever government, whatever group, whatever state wants to put your attention on it and off of God. She's one more in a succession of the way the beast wages war against the kingdom of God. It's all the same thing rebellion against the Lamb of God and his kingdom. Don't let the sizzle fool you. The steak is rotten. In chapter 18, we read this from verse, from, uh, from, from chapter 18. I'm, I'm, I know I said two and three, but I'm going to start in one. Because I like to be difficult. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice, verse 2, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great! She's become a dwelling for demons, a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive lux- luxuries. Fallen is Babylon the great. Now, the way she fell is kind of interesting. We skipped that part. Look at verse 16 in, in chapter 7, 17, 17. Chapter 17, verse 16. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Good night. Hold on. Who was she trying to seduce us to worship? The beast. Then who killed her? The beast, what in the world is going on here? Okay, pay attention to this. The devil is not faithful. The devil doesn't even treat his own servants well. And sin always kills us. Think, I want you to think about how temptation works. And in order to do this, I just want to, I want to start off with this. I don't think most people are stupid. I know... I know what some of you just thought I can see your smirks all right and I did if you notice leave a little margin <laughs> not, not, not picking on anyone for this I don't think most people are that stupid but temptation doesn't usually arrive and say good morning What I would like to do today is ruin your life. (laughs) Here's what I want to do. I want to poison all of your relationships. I want to really get you involved in something kind of illicit. And what I'm hoping is at the end, it'll cost you your marriage, maybe even your well-being and your career. Are you in? (laughs) That's not the way temptation usually shows up. It it shows up as an attractive seduction to say you're not happy but I can make you happy. Temptation makes promises and it woos us. But if you take the bait it'll turn on you and devour you. And, 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 and this is the way that temptation, if you take the bait, it turns on you and devours you. If you've been tempted with money, listen, you'll never have enough money to feel safe. If you're tempted with power, you'll never have enough power to not be anxious. If you're tempted with sex, you'll never have enough sex to feel complete. If... if, if if you're tempted with success, you will never have enough success to never struggle. The demonic always destroys us. Look at what says happens to her. She becomes in verse 2, she becomes a dwelling place for all of death and its, and its partners. She, she becomes a dwelling for demons, for impure spirits, for unclean and, and detestable things. Okay, so now that, now that we've really shown the woman for who she is, John's kind of gone from, dang, she's fine, to, ugh, she's nasty. <laughs> right there. Okay, we see what's going on, and I, I, don't know, I don't want that anymore. But the thing you see about the prostitute is that she's hollow. That the devil, the dragon, is able to fill her up with... Demons and unclean things and detestable things and death because she's hollow. She was promising all of the fulfilling things for us but in herself she's hollow. Those fulfilling promises will never happen. Instead she becomes the dwelling place of death and its forces and and sadly us modern Western Christians, we don't have much bandwidth for demonic influence or activity. We kind of refer to that as archaic superstition, something from a bygone era that now we know better. And we either think that demons aren't real, or if we do allow that they're real we think they all went somewhere else, somewhere like Africa. Right Henry? But that's right where the demons went, or, or or maybe India. They went to places like that. They didn't stay in the in in the in the in the, in the Western world. See how we did that? I, I I absolutely love the way that Matt Chandler explains this, and his thoughts are really germane here. Uh, he explained this with a great metaphor. He, he talks about. Um, he says demon possession is, is stuff for, that we make movies about, but it's, it's not like, de- your Bible doesn't use the word demon possession. Your Bible talks about being demonized, okay, that, that, that a demon has influence and control, but not, not that it somehow possesses you in some weird way. And so he says the best way to think about it, and I love this metaphor, is he says it's sort of like ticks on a dog. The tick on a dog can't possess it, but it can get so big that it can have influence over the dog. It can make the dog sick and it can even kill it. That's the way the demonic works in our life and influences our lives. This is how the demonic feeds us, defeats us. Is it often, much like a dog, not realizing there's a tick on it, we're getting destroyed in a fight that we didn't even know we were fighting. Because it turns out it's not that hard to defeat someone that you're fighting if they don't know it's a fight. And I don't have time to unpack all the ways that in, verse, in chapter 18, the kings and the merchants and the sailors all mourn the loss of, the, of Babylon of the prostitute. But, but I do know this, suffice it to say that those who have the most to lose are the saddest to see her go. And I also know this, that just like the dragon, they don't really love her, they just want to use her. The truth is, there are a lot of people in this world who will tell you they love you, but what they really mean is they like the way you make them feel. But that's a whole other sermon. What I want to close with is I want to look in verses four and five. I want you to look at the appeal that God makes. So Revelation chapter eight, verse 18, verses four and five. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, "Come out of her, my people." so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Come out of her, my people. This is, this is a call that God is giving God's people to say you are called to upside down living. Don't live like the rest of the world. You're supposed to be different. This is an invitation to leave the city of sinful rebellion and, and, and human rebellion and come into the new Jerusalem, come into the new city of God. He says, I want you to come here and I want us to set up a community where we're supposed to live counterculturally. We're supposed to give people a vision of what it looks like to live in true life. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> One person, I've got them with me. That's all right. Jesus only had 12 and he turned the world upside down. So I'm on a good start. Uh, but but okay, so so we got we, we have to understand that what he's calling us and inviting us to be is this countercultural community. So we turn the values of this world on its head, and so we are called to reject the violence of Babylon. Okay, once again, when I say Babylon, you may hear Egypt. You may hear Rome, you may hear Babylon, you may hear China, you may hear the United States of America, you may hear whatever government has set itself up in opposition to the Kingdom of God, you hear it. We reject the violence of Babylon and become a people of peace. We are called to reject the consumption of Babylon and be a people of radical generosity instead. We are called to reject the sensual indulgence and sexual saturation and perversity of Babylon and called to be a people of purity. We are called to reject the hate of Babylon and be a people of hospitality. Paul, go ahead and bring your team up. To do all of that, to do all of that, that sounds hard and I know it's going to be difficult. But this is exactly the sort of thing the Holy Spirit can do among us. That we are never asked to be something we are not empowered to be. Okay, that by the Holy Spirit, God is asking us to be something He has empowered us to be. Alright, that we who serve the true King are not hollow inside We have the spirit in us. We have life in us. We have power within us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, if you want to check that one, That, that he's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And that's why we find ourselves in Revelation 19 at the wedding banquet for the lamb because finally his bride has been made ready called out from the seductress called out from the influence of the beast called out from surrender to the dragon Into the kingdom of the Lamb. The bride has been made ready and it's time. Is it time for you? Will you join him? There's no one neutral. There's no one neutral. Will you join him? Will you prepare yourself to meet? The groom, will you prepare yourself to meet Jesus? Will you be washed in the waters of baptism? Will you submit yourself and say, Make me clean and call me out of this world and into your marvelous light? Transmit me into the kingdom of the Son. I am tired of the city of human rebellion. Will you join him? If you will. We're going to stand. I'm going to have to stand up right now. Go ahead and stand. I'm going to be down front. There's people all around. If you Look at anyone that you think looks reasonably friendly <laughs> and say to them, I want to I wanna leave the city of human rebellion and I want to be in the city of God and we'll find a way for you to make it up here so that we can baptize you into Christ today. All right, because I I, I want you to know God has called you to his city. God has called you to the victory that he alone can provide, and his promises are not hollow. Amen? Amen? Let's praise him. We sincerely thank you for listening and pray that you were blessed today. To learn more about Rochester Church of Christ, to support our ministry, or to contact us with any prayer needs you may have, head over to www.rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and chosen.